amen, amen, amen. We'll turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Glory to God. One of the things the Lord had impressed upon me to teach on at the end of the last year was prayer that changes things since we're moving into 30 days of prayer. And the reason he had me teach this is because why people are praying less and less for some reason. I'm not talking about throwing up. I'm talking about serious prayer. I'm talking about serious prayer. Now, even though I've been teaching on prayer, the number of people praying on our prayer line or social media or in person has not has has barely changed. <laughs> has barely changed. Listen, in order for you to experience the prophecies spoken forth to have prayer, you have to pray. Come on, say amen, somebody. All the prophecies are not automatic, folks. Let me say it again. They are not what? Automatic. See, in the first 30 days of prayer, we have what? Different subjects we're praying about every day. Has anybody been keeping up? Amen. Glory to God. But prayer is also about what? Acceleration and demonstration. Praying that we see what? See the manifestation of those prophecies come to pass in our lives this year. And see, we're not talking about throwing up a prayer or two and then going about your business, folks. No, God is looking for you to become a serious, consistent, persistent prayer warrior. Do I have any prayer warriors in the house? Okay, I'm going to look for your name online. Don't be saying you're a prayer warrior and I'll see your name online. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because prayer warriors pray every day. Come on, we're talking about 30 days of prayer, not just once a week, not just twice a week. I'm talking about the whole 30 days. Why? You're setting yourself up for the rest of the year. This is how you start your year, folks. Amen? Things are hard for people because why? They don't pray. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Well, look at Matthew 7, 21. Because what happens is people have a tendency to be hearers of the word of God only, but not doers of the word of God. Look at Matthew 7, 21, where it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, listen to this now, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's serious, folks. But he that what? Doeth the will of my Father, which is where? In heaven. Then verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I have, I, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done one, many wonderful works? Lord, I did all this for you. And what did he say in verse 23? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. See, we don't take this passage serious. Because if we took it serious, we say, wait, whoa. I say, whoa, but it'd be for a right reason. Come on, say amen, to get myself in order. So he says, in other words, yes, you did some things you thought were good things. But did you do what I told you to do? And there are a lot of Christians who fall in this category. Then he says in verse 24, therefore, whosoever, what? Hear these sayings of mine and do what? And doeth them. 
He said, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, it fell not. For it was what? It was founded upon a rock. In other words, they made it through the storms of life because why? They were not just coming to church to hear the word of God then going back home and not acting on what they heard. No, they were hearers of the word of God and they were doers of the word of God. And it says, their house did not fall. But look at verse 26. But everyone that what? Hear the, who's talking here? Who's talking? Is this Jesus talking? It's, it's, it's the Bible God talking to us. Okay, just check it. Verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and what? Doeth them, doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man. Tell your neighbor, don't be foolish. <laughs> Which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it what? Fell, and what? And great was the fall of it. The same storms of life came. But what was the difference, folks? This person came to church, heard the word, but did not act on what they heard. Okay, I get it. See how the amen just died out? <laughs> did not what? Act on what they heard. So when the storms of life came, and storms of life will come, folks. When the storms of life came, great was the ruin of his house. See, too many people are in this category. They're hearers of the word. They come to church every Sunday, but they're not doing what they're hearing. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, how to walk in acceleration and demonstration is to pray. Is to what? Pray. Why? Because every success is a prayer success first, but every failure is a prayer failure first. Say that with me. Every success, come on, I want to see everybody's lips move. I'm, I'm looking for lips here. Say every success is a prayer success first, and every failure is a prayer failure first. Lock that in. Your success or failure is dependent upon your prayer life. Now, we talked about the statement John Wesley made in one of his books where he said, it seems God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. See, God is not ruling this world. And God's not ruling this earth, folks. Come on. Thank God one day he will, but right now, God's not ruling this earth. Right now, his will is not carried out on the earth except in the lives of those who surrender to him. And who is that? Who is that? That's us, right? Now, we talked about supplication and intercession. And we talked about when it comes to intercession, the most precious and outstanding example of an intercessor is who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do? He stood in a gap for us. And he now intercedes for us where? At the Father's right hand. But turn your Bible to Job chapter 9, verse 32. 
Job chapter 9, verse 32. We're going to connect up because, you know, we're just resuming because we know we had that break during Christmas. Job 9, 32. It says, For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any day man, day's man, somebody say day's man, between us that might lay his hand upon us both. Now, the marginal reading for the word translated or day's man is what? It's umpire. Somebody say umpire. Another reference reads one who argues. One who what? Argues. In other words, he's saying no one to argue. There's no one to argue the case for both sides. There's no one to argue the case for what? Both sides. Let me read this from the Amplified Classic Translation because it'll make it clear. And that's what Amplify does. It amplifies it. It's for God is not a mere what? Man, as I am, that I should what? Answer him. That we should what? Come together in court. Verse 33 says, For there is no what? There's no what? Umpire between us who might lay his hand upon us both. Would that there were. You see, Job needed someone who, what, what? Who would be able to lay his hands on him and a hand on God. He needed someone to do what? Stand between him and God and plead his case. And God looked around and saw no intercessor. Look at Isaiah 59, 16. God looked around and saw no intercessor. Isaiah 59, 16, it says, And he saw that there was what? There's what? No man and wondered that there was no intercessor. After all I've done for these people, they can't even pray for somebody else. It's getting quiet in here again. He said, therefore his arm, what? Brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it what? Sustained him. God saw that there was no intercessor. So what did he do? He supplied the need. What did he do? He sent us Jesus, folks. Jesus came to bridge the gap between God and sinful man. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because man needed someone to stand in the gap so he could get back to God. Man needed an intercessor. And Jesus sacrificed, come on, Jesus sacrificed, established him as the only full trustworthy intercessor for you and I. He's the only intercessor for the people of this planet. And well, guess what? We are one with him in carrying out his work in the earth. Tell your neighbor, I'm one with God. What is he and what is his work? He's the great what? Intercessor. Therefore, we are one with, we are one with him in his intercessory ministry, which includes prayer. Which includes what? Prayer. Turn me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. It says, And to know the who love of Christ was past his knowledge that ye might be what? Filled with all the 
fullness of God. Now, why is this scripture so critical? Because to intercede effectively, folks, you must know the great love God has for all humanity. You must know that God loves people. That God, what? Loves people. Turn to Matthew 5, 45. In order to be effective intercessors, you've got to know God's love towards people, towards humanity. Here in Matthew 5, 45, it says that you might be what? Children of your Father, which is where? In heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, instead of rain on the just and on the unjust. God does what he does out of love for mankind. Whether it's the just or the unjust, whether it's the evil or the good, God still pours out his love. Look at Luke 6.35. We have a, we serve a loving God. We serve a what? Loving God. Luke 6.35 says, But love ye your what? Enemies. Some of y'all can't even read that with, you know, let it come out your lips. <laughs> come on now. Amen. I'll smack my enemies. Come on. But it says here, love your, love those that talk about me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Love those that treat me wrong. Love those that stole from me. Love those that borrowed something from me and didn't give it back. Especially money. Become my son. <laughs> it says, but love your enemies and do what? Good and littling. Hoping for nothing again. I mean, I gave them that $500 they asked for, and I'm not supposed to ask for it again. I mean, I can't look cross-eyed at them every time I see them because know, I know they owe me some money, and they're going to the grocery store, they're going to the mall, buying stuff, and they know me, they owe me some money. <laughs> y'all know how y'all are. You can't even stand to look at somebody that owe you some money. Okay, y'all y'all trying to be holy out here. So he said, lend, <laughs> hoping for nothing again. And what will happen in return? And your reward shall be what? Great. And you shall be what? The children of the highest because you're acting just like God. For he is kind unto the unthankful and the mashandarekiah. And to the evil. And understand this. Since God's love is in us. And the love of God has been what? Shed abroad in our hearts. We are to be kind. Like God is kind. To the thankful. And to the evil. Okay. Go to Ephesians 2.8. In the Hamasa. People don't like to hear things like that. Pastor, you was doing good, but now you just, I don't know. That kind of hit my flesh. 
my flesh do not want to do anything like that at all. Be kind to people that have done me wrong. Holy Ghost, you're going to have to help me. <laughs> How many of y'all saying that right now? Holy Ghost, you're going to have to help me with that one. Hey, Amen, because I got to go to work tomorrow and look at them in the face. Listen, Jesus purchased a gift of salvation for anyone who would accept it. And the Word of God tells us here in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Not of yourself, it is a what? Gift of God. See, salvation is a gift for everybody. Look at Revelation twenty two seventeen. Salvation is a gift for everybody. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, And the spirit and the bride say, What do they say? Come. And let him that hear my hair say, Come. And let him that a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him what? Take the water of life, how? Freely. See, the invitation is to everyone on this planet. But they still have to accept the invitation. Are you following me out here? Look at Acts 17.30. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. It says, and the times of this ignorance, God winked at. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now, command of all men everywhere to what? To repent. See, people may have gotten away with things before. But guess what? That's changed, folks. God commands all men everywhere to what? To repent. And see, his hand of mercy is extended to all mankind. It's being extended even as we speak. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, our intercession for men is not so much for God to extend his mercy. Why? Because this has already been done through Jesus. Our intercession, what, is mainly to do what? Speak to the, to what? Speak to break the bondage that the devil has over men. And the Bible tells us the devil has blinded people. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, 3. Our intercession is what? Mainly break the bondage that the devil has over people, over your loved ones, over your friends, over your sons and daughters. Come on, say amen, somebody. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. And whom the what? Whom the what? Now, he's talking about our God knows that's a small case G because Satan is the God of this world and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which what? Believe not less the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should what? Shine unto them. We have a responsibility to pray and loose the sinner from the blindness, why? So they may see the light. Let me say it again. We have the responsibility to pray and do what? Loose the sinner from the blindness, why? So that they may what? See the light. And see, a lot of times, we miss it when it comes to praying for the lost. And we'll say, God, please save so-and-so. You know they really need it. 
And everybody got somebody in the family that you know really needed. Come on, say amen, somebody. But if you're praying, God, please save so-and-so, that doesn't do you any good. Come on, then you saying twinkle, twinkle, little star. Why is that? Because God has already done all he's going to do about saving them. And I want you to think about this. No human in his right mind who have his car going to high, go down the highway 100 miles an hour, past blinking lights, warning lights, past signs that said, danger, danger, bridge is out. Nobody in their right mind would plunge himself out there in eternity. But guess what? A drunk man would. Yeah, act like, yeah, I ain't never been drunk before. A drunk man would. <laughs> well, this is the holy sanctimonious crowd. A drunk man would. A drunk man does things. He wake up in the morning, don't know what he did. Well, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's true for spiritually. Amen. See, no man in his right mind would plunge himself into eternity without God. Let me see again. No man in his right mind would do what? Plunge himself into eternity without God. But the God of this world, but the God of this world has what? Blinded their minds. It says, in whom the God of this world has what? Blinded the minds. Blinded what? The minds. See, we approach praying for the loved ones, amen, the wrong way. We approach praying for the loved ones the wrong way. We've been working on the wrong end of things, folks. Come on, some of us have fasted. Some of us have prayed that God would do something. And God says, listen, I've done all I'm ever going to do. Let me say it again. God says, I have done all I'm ever going to do. Why? The blood has already been shed. The gospel has already been given. The light is already here, folks. Listen, it can't shine because of what the devil has done. And what you have to do, you got to break the power of the devil over that person. Another said, intercession does not change God. Why? Because God never changes. Prayer does not change God. Why? God never changes. Prayer changes you. And prayer changes others. Come on, say amen, somebody. It does not change who? God. Change neighbor, it doesn't change God. And what you have to do concerning the unsaved, you got to break the power of the devil over their lives. Let me say it again. You have to what? You have to break the power of the devil over the life. What you got to do? You got to say, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of the devil over my brother, my sister, my relatives, my co-worker. Come on, say amen. I claim their deliverance, which means I claim deliverance from that blindness. I claim their deliverance from Satan. Come on, say amen, somebody. And I claim their salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to break the power of the enemy over them. And here's where intercession comes in. 
We are, to do, we are to loose the sinner from the blindness. Why? So that he may see the light. They're blinded, folks. But you got to pray. Come on. You got to deliver them from that darkness. And you do that in what? Prayer. Listen, if we can get people to see God as he really is, then they will want to love him. Did you hear what I just said? Once again, we are one with the great intercessor and his ministry of reconciliation. We're one with Jesus, folks. Matter of fact, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Once again, we are one with the great intercessor and his ministry of reconciliation. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, It was God personally present, reading from the Amplified Classic, in Christ, reconciling in what? And restoring the world to what? Favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their what? Trespasses. But doing what? But doing what? Canceling them and committing unto us. Who is us? Who is the us? You. You are the us. Come on, says, and committing to us the what? The message of what? reconciliation of what? Of the restoration to favor. Who did God reconcile to himself? The world. Whose trespasses are, are canceled? The world. Somebody say the world. And that's what would be terrible, folks. What would be terrible? People will go to hell. And when they get there, they'll find out we did not tell them the truth. Listen to me out here. We didn't tell them everything was canceled out. And see, the sins of the unsaved man canceled out was what? Was, count, was canceled out by who? Jesus. Jesus canceled all of our sins, folks. That's how God is kind to the thankful, and that's how God is kind to the evil. And he's given us that message, what message? The message of what? The word of reconciliation. Tell your neighbor, you have the message of the word of reconciliation. Yet what, what, what have we done? We have preached, God's going to get you. If you don't watch out, God's after you. People train their children, saying what? Don't do that. Jesus won't love you. If you do that, God's going to get you. And tell your neighbor, that's a lie. Now, he may not want them to do that, but he will still love them anyway. Are you listening to me out here? Telling children God won't love you if you do that causes them to grow up with their minds blinded to the light of his love. And it's very difficult to get that kind of teaching out of people. Come on, say amen, somebody. He has given you and I what? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. And see, we used to think we had to preach under conviction. So what we do. We go out and we beat, beat them over the head with the word. But no, that's wrong. That's the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, ours is the ministry of what? Reconciliation. When we get people to see God as he really is, 
they will want to love him. Do you hear me? Another thing we have to do, look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We have to pray for boldness, folks. Pray for what? Boldness. He says, let us what? Therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to help when? In a time of need. Effective prayer involves boldness. We come before God's throne with what? Boldness. Well, where do we get the boldness? We get the boldness from Jesus. And he tells us that in Ephesians 3.11, turn there. You know, I'm a scripture man. You know, I'm a scripture man. You know, I'm a scripture man. I'm going to show you in scripture. Come on, Ephesians 3.11. He says, according to his what? Eternal purpose, which he purposed where? In Christ Jesus, our what? Our Lord. In whom we have what? In whom we have what? Boldness and access with what? Confidence by faith of him. Listen, we have boldness in who? In Christ Jesus. And understand this. There are many things we don't need to pray for. Let me say it again. There are many things that we don't need to pray for. But it's all right to pray for boldness. Matter of fact, this is something you should do. Turn to me, you should pray for boldness. And see, we know we don't have to pray for faith. Why? We know Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you know how to get faith. Do you know how to get faith? See, faith is increased by what? Feeding it on what? God's word. And by exercising it. So we don't need to pray for faith. But the Bible does show us that we can pray for boldness. Pray for what? Boldness. Somebody tell your neighbor, you got to pray for boldness. Let me give an example. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13. We're talking about Peter and John. Peter and John were bold when they used the name of Jesus to minister to the lame man, the lame man that they gave beautiful. They were bold when they proclaimed the name of Jesus to the crowd that gathered. And what happened, the Jewish authorities noticed their boldness and took them in for questioning. And it says in verse 13, and when they saw the what? When they saw the what? Boldness of Peter and John and did what? Perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they what? They marveled. They marveled at what? The boldness these men had. And it took knowledge of them that they had been what? Been with Jesus. When you're with Jesus, you have boldness, folks. When you know him, you know he's right there with you, there's a boldness that comes on you. Then it says in verse 18, and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now look at verse 21. And when they had further threatened them, they what? Let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them. Because why? Because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. Now look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own 
company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they what? They lifted up their voice to who? God. And one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is what in them is. The whole company of believers lifted their voice in one accord and prayer unto God. I'm looking for the day where everybody in this room becomes a prayer warrior. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then in verse 29, notice what happened. They prayed, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants. That was what? That was what? All boldness, they may what? Speak the word. It's all right to pray for boldness. Then verse 30 says, By stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And we'll see that prayer was answered in verse 31. What's it say? And when they had prayed. When they had prayed. I'm looking forward to that day. When we have prayed. When we have prayed. The place is shaken where they were assembled. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with what? Bonus. In other words... They prayed for bonus and they received bonus and much more. So you need to pray for boldness. Matter of fact, go to Ephesians 6.18. Where Paul asked the church in Ephesus to pray for him. To pray for him. Now you wouldn't think a man like Paul would need prayer. Come on, this was a great man of God. He was the apostle of faith. This man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he says in Ephesians 6.18, pray always, pray always. Then he says in verse 19, and for me. And for me. Why? That others may be given unto me, that I may what? Open my mouth what? Boldly. To what? To make known the mystery of the gospel. And the Ephesian prayer for Paul was a prayer of supplication, a heartfelt prayer. Come on, say amen, somebody. But he prayed for what? Boldness. He prayed for what? Boldness. But the question is, why do you and I need boldness? Because we need boldness to act. Because sometimes a fear comes over us. But we need boldness to act. Understand this. Sometimes in your intercession, the Holy Spirit may tell you to go to the one that you're interceding for. Now to you, it's all right praying from a distance. But now you want me to go to them? And we may not know what to pray. But thank God, the Holy Spirit does. But we need boldness to act on God's word. We need boldness to act on what the Spirit of God may say to us. And he may tell you to do some things that make your skin crawl. 
because of fear. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the Spirit of God is searching through the church, trying to find those whom we can trust to pray and to act with boldness. Why? Because he needs them. He needs you. But he needs somebody he can trust to pray. Somebody say, that's me. Somebody say, that's me again. Some of y'all don't want to say anything because you don't want it to be you. <laughs> Some of y'all ain't even open your lips. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> but he needs you what? Pray. He needs to trust you to what? Pray. He needs trust that you're going to act with what? Bonus. Now, we know many people have jobs. And they have duties which do not allow them to give themselves wholeheartedly to intercession. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yet, if you go about doing whatever you have to do, on the inside, you can be praying. Come on. It was said by a man of God, God will not lay a burden of intercession upon you unless you are available to move. He might move on you to pray for someone while you are working if the work is such that you can't pray. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we know there are jobs where it would be very difficult for you to pray while working. So God would have to do what? Seek out someone else. But there are jobs, particularly if you're not working with your mind, but with your hands, where you can give yourself to prayer even while you're working. Hello? Understand this. Listen to me closely. Don't throw off that burden to pray when it comes. Let me say it again. Don't throw off that burden to pray when it comes. You got to be bold and act on it. When that alarm goes off, pray. When the alarm goes off, pray. That's why God will get you up in the early morning, wee hours in the morning, if you make yourself available. God ain't waking you up and you say, oh, Lord, no. Lord, it's 3 o'clock. Catch me at 5. God ain't waking you up no more. Because <laughs> he can't trust you. Listen, we can even pray while talking to people. We can pray on the inside. Listen, the inside of you could still be reaching out to God on someone else's behalf. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. And see, someone may come to you and say, whoa, man, I, I dodged that bullet. And they start telling you this happened, this happened, happened, and I didn't even get a scratch. They didn't know three days before it happened, you were praying. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. In a lot of cases, if you throw off that urge to pray, that person would have been severely hurt and maybe have died. Why? You see, God didn't want that person to leave here in that backslidden condition. And if we're not responsive to the Spirit of God, if we don't intercede when we don't know who to intercede for, I mean, just intercede out your belly. If we get too busy or unresponsive to the leading of the Spirit, guess what? Many people will go to hell. 
And it's a sobering thought, folks, that when men come before the judgment throne of God, the bar of God, there may be some people in hell who point at you and say, you're responsible for me being in hell. Okay, you don't want to go to Ezekiel 33, 7. I am responsible for them. Yes, you are. Because God may have told you to go speak to them, but you were afraid and you didn't pray for boldness and you didn't go speak to them. Come on. And they went to hell. Well, since you don't want to receive that, let's see what the word says about that. It says, now as for you, son of man, reading from the Amplified Translation, as for you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of who? For the house of Israel. Come on, say amen, somebody. For the house of Israel. Then he goes on to say, so you shall bear a message from my mouth and give them a warning from me. A what? A warning from me. That should have been the Amplified translation. And give them a what? Warning from me. And see, that's going to take some boldness. But it goes on to say in verse 8, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will certainly die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man will die because of his sin. But I will require his blood from your hand. Is that the word of God? Is God holding me responsible? Then in verse 9 it says, But if you on your part warn the wicked man to turn from his evil way, and he does not turn from his evil way, he will die in his sin, but you have saved your life. Now you can see the great responsibility that not only affects others, but it also affects you. Are y'all with me in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's looking for people to pray, folks. You're some of the people, you're the only hope for some people. And you're not getting that. You're the only hope for a lot of things happening in this world. And you have the power to change it, but you won't open your mouth. Why? Because we get so selfish. If it interrupts our schedule, I can't do that. Or it comes late at night, I'll pray at night before I go to bed. We all know what happens. I met up, I'll call my... That's why the best type of prayer is in the morning. When everything is quiet and it's just you and God. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's just you and who? God. Look at Isaiah 43, 25. We have to start praying for people, folks. 
A lot of times we're complaining about people, complaining about what they did, complaining about who they are. Come on, say amen, somebody. But we don't lift up our voice and pray for them. We're quick to point fingers and not do nothing about it. When you have the power to do something about it, but you don't realize it, so you don't open your mouth to pray. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he that what? Blotted out thy transgression for my what? Own sake, and will not what? Remember thy sins. So we're talking about boldness here. He said, put me in remembrance. Let us what? Plead together. Declare thou that thou may what? Be justified. See, this was a challenge from a covenant-keeping God to Israel. And it's also a challenge to us, the church. Come on, say Amen. Why? If God kept his covenant with them, he'll keep his covenant with us. And see, the believer, any believers in this room? The believer has covenant rights in prayer. Come on. As well as other covenant rights. Yet there is one outstanding problem that we have. There's one outstanding problem that defeats believers in their prayer life, and that is sometimes when we come to God, we have a feeling of inferiority. We have a sense of sin consciousness. Why? Because we know we failed in some area in our lives. And we have this guilt complex. Some people even begin their prayers with, Lord, I'm so weak and unworthy. And then they harbor in their weakness and unworthiness through their prayer life. Come on. And when they come into the presence of God telling him that, guess what? They talk themselves out of faith and into condemnation. And the Bible tells us there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And they don't know whether God's going to hear them or not. And all they do is beg for crumbs. Well, look at look what he said in verse 25 again. He says, I, even I, am he that what? Lot about thy transgression for my what? For my own sake, and will not what? Remember thy sins. Why did he say he would blot out our transgressions? For his own sake. For what? For his own sake. Not for our sake, but who? For our own sake. Why? So that he could bless us. Somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Come on, say, Thank you, Lord. He could not bless us without his folks. See, when we know that he blotted out our sin. That he doesn't even remember that we ever did anything wrong. We can come to him with confidence. We can come in faith. And we lose sin consciousness. And now we have son consciousness. Are you following me out there? And we don't have to try to sit on the curbstone out in front of the mansion begging for favors, folks. No, we can come boldly through the front door and enter to the throne room to do what? To fellowship with God. Why? We are sons of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are covenant people. And we have a legal right, a gospel right, a son right, a family right to what? To enter to the throne room. Come on. In the front door, not the back door. 
with her head up and not hanging down. Come on, say amen, somebody. And when Jesus went into the presence of the Father, guess what, folks? When he went into the presence of the Father, he didn't go with just his head. He didn't, he didn't leave his little finger outside saying, oh, I'm so embarrassed. No. He didn't have any condemnation even in this little finger, folks. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. That means the body can go into the presence of God, the Father, with the same confidence and assurance that the head can. How did he go? He went in boldly. So we have to pray for what? Boldness. But we have to pray, folks. We have to pray. You got to set in your heart that every day of this month, I'm going to pray. No one should have to force you. No one should have to even remind you, really. Praying should be like breathing. Because you realize it's vital. It's vital for you to survive. Let me say it again. It's vital for you to what? Survive. Prayer. We have to start praying. And we have to start praying for people we know that are unsaved. Even though they get on your nerves. Even though you can't stand them. Pray for them. Don't get in the corner and get with your buddies and say, start talking about them. Say, no. If somebody comes to talk to you about somebody that hates you, come on, just grab them and say, come on, let's pray for them. I guarantee you they won't come to you ever again. <laughs> come on, say amen, somebody. But well, we got to start praying more, folks. God's dependent on us to change this world. God holds us accountable for what goes on in this territory, in the government, come on, around the world. God holds us responsible. Why? Because he's given us the authority to pray. Lift your hands before the Lord. Father, we thank and we praise and we glorify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. The people will pray, Lord. They will pray. They'll see the vital importance of prayer. It's not about just me and my four and no more. Now we're going to pray for others. Because you held us, you hold us responsible. You said their blood would be on our hands. If we didn't pray for them or they'd go speak to them and they went to hell. Because you placed them in our path. And when God will place people in your path just to pray for. But you gotta pray. You have to what? Pray. You have to what? Pray. Father, we thank and we praise you right now, Father God that you're raising up prayer warriors in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because if you know anything about this ministry, 
this ministry is a ministry of prayer from day one we had early morning prayer day one day one only time I've ever missed the early morning prayers when I was out of time but then I get on my phone hallelujah come on say amen somebody there's no excuse for us not to pray there's no excuse if we understand how it's a vital necessity how every success is a what every failure that is the bottom line if you want this year to be a year of acceleration and demonstration you are going to have to pray it in you're going to, have to what pray it in that's what 30 days of prayer is all about we're praying in more and more in 2024 we're praying that this is a year of progression come on say amen somebody hallelujah and we thank you lord we praise you lord we glorify you lord we thank you lord for blessing us with your word Father God, we will not be the foolish person. But we'll be the wise person. We won't just be hearers of the word of God, but we'll be what? Doers of the word of God. See, I see people that's online. Monica be online in prayer. I know Lena be online praying. I see I look at names, you know. when it's on my prayer on Tuesday I call them out I say thank you hallelujah my wife calls you out come on say amen somebody because we need everybody involved in prayer and say when they all prayed and were one accord the place was shaken it's time for us to shake some things up in these islands I got one amen it's time for us to shake some things up but we're only going to shake them things up if we can get everybody and one accord with an attitude and a heart for prayer. Then we're going to see God do some things that we've never seen before. We'll see the increase that we're looking for in our lives and in our families and in our neighborhoods, in our communities, on our jobs, on our businesses. Come on, say amen to somebody. But it takes us what? Praying. That's why... January is always like a reset year or a reset month. You reset for the rest of the year. So lift your hands before the Lord. Say, thank you, Lord. Come make a commitment to God right now that I'm going to begin my prayer life all over again. I'm going to start praying like I'm supposed to, that I know to do. I'm not going to get lazy. When the Holy Spirit tells me, prompts me to pray, and I sense that urge to pray. I'm not going to put it off. But I'm going to pray. Because I know somebody's life is depending on my obedience. I am not going to be responsible for somebody going to hell. Because you placed that person in my path. And I said nothing. I did nothing. I didn't even pray for them. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
So, Father, we thank you right now, Father God. That people make a commitment right now to make this a month of prayer. And they're going to see their life change like it's never changed before because of the commitment that they're making right now. I'm not talking about just the older dogs. I'm talking about young people too. They need it just as much as we do. Young people are having challenges. A lot of times they have enough challenges because they don't pray. They don't ask God to help them through the situation that they're dealing with. And sometimes they're afraid to tell somebody, even their parents. So they sit there and wallow in misery and go through all this depression because why? They don't know how to pray. And they don't pray. Not realizing the only one that can get them out of the situation is God. That's what we teach our children. That you need to know how to go to God for yourself. Because I may not be with you. I may, not be, I may not be around you when something goes down. You better know how to call out to God for yourself. And you better know how to plead the blood of Jesus for yourself. Because you may not have time to call. Mom, pray for me. Dad, pray for me. Because it's happening right then and there. One thing you can call upon, who you can call upon, God will answer you right where you are. But you got to make prayer a vital necessity. Hallelujah. You got to be bold about it. So, Father, we thank and we praise you right now, Father God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. 